The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. For those of you who are regular listeners to our podcast, you know that we've been posting sermons from back in 2015 on the importance of knowing the Word of God. In fact, Hosea says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. God's people can be destroyed in this life, not eternally, but in this life, if they don't know the Word of God. We've been dealing particularly with the sin of homosexuality. In 2015, you may recall, same-sex marriage was legalized by the U.S. Supreme Court. And while we're not picking on that particular sin, it was the sin of the day. You see, all sin is abomination in the sight of God. But when a sin is pushed upon us in our culture, we need to deal with it and we need to call it out. We need to do it in love, and we've tried to do that. But if the church is truly the pillar and ground of the truth, then the church must speak the truth. Join us today as we conclude this series. And we see that there is still hope if we'll turn back to God and be faithful to His Word. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
it's a progression. You go from problems within the family to all kinds of fornication that's promoted and, and, and engaged in that's, that moves on down to a weird types of activity in that regard, ultimately to bestiality. Now, I want to ask you something. Have you seen anything like that in our society today? Have you seen problems in families that started many, maybe two or three generations ago? There's always been problems in families. I understand that. But it seems like in our society, it's gotten worse and worse. Have you seen parents being unruly and disrespectful to children and not honoring their parents? Didn't that start sometime years ago? Didn't that start decades ago? Didn't that, you know, we always like to go back to the leave it to beaver generation. You know, oh, that was a great, and it was, it was a great time. And I'm sure we, we elevate that time to a higher status than it should. There were problems then too. But beloved, in the 40s and the 50s, there, there just didn't seem to be those kinds of problems. But then as we, as we come on down through it, we begin to get uh, the idea that uh, parents are old fogey and our parents are just, they don't know what they're talking about and we're going to do our own thing and we're going to be unruly and disrespectful to them. And the next thing that goes is we had the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s. And, and next thing you know, anything goes out there. Uh, it doesn't matter if you get married, you can live together. It doesn't matter whether you're faithful to your spouse or not. And then the next thing that happens is all kinds of things occur. And now you have the point where homosexuality is endorsed by the state or the federal government. Yeah. Beloved, it's just a downward progression. And here's my point. It's not to cast, it's not to, to be ugly or mean to people who have had problems in their past or, in, or, or out there now engaged in that type of activity. It's to point out the truth of God's Word which says that is wrong. And if you're engaged in that kind of lifestyle, the truth is you need to turn around. You need to come to yourself if you're a child of God like that prodigal son and go back to your father's house where there are many mansions, where there are many servants, where there's much love and, and much blessing. You see, that's the beauty of the story of the prodigal son. They didn't execute him. <laughs> they didn't kill him. <laughs> the point of the prodigal son is not that he's being born again down there. He was already born again. He's already a child of God. He went down there into the far country, into the pig pen, and he came to himself. And there was a pathway back. There was a pathway back. Beloved, that's what I want to sort of finish up with tonight. I want to tell you there's hope. In this world. Now, people today would say that if, if, you, if you put this message out there, and I don't mind if you do, let me just tell you, if you put this message out there on the airwaves today, they'd say it's a hate message. It's a hateful message against homosexuality, against same sex marriage and marriage equality and all that. I never dreamed I would see the day when it would be politically incorrect to stand up and say marriage should be between a man and a woman, but it is today. It is today. If you're in politics today, not necessarily in Alabama, but in the, in the nation as a whole, if I were wanting to run for president of the United States and I took the position that marriage is strictly between a man and a woman, I probably couldn't get elected today. Oh, if you told me that 10 years ago, I'd have laughed you to scorn. Which tells me that there's more to this than just happenstance. We don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. 
That's what we're doing today. We're seeing a vast, you know, they say you're a conspiracy theorist. I sure am. And the conspiracy started on the Garden of Eden on the day they ate of the fruit. Uh, the, the, the devil was in it then. The devil was in it when they uh, conspired to, uh, to take Jesus before his time. The devil was in it at the time when Jesus was crucified. He didn't do it. Now, don't get me wrong, but he was pleased and he, he, he motivated men to go out and do actually turned out to be uh, things that uh, the, the Lord turned to his will. But the devil's in it today, too. Yeah. There's a grand conspiracy. And it's a devilish conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And by the way, God, as this morning we saw, God tells us the real problem with Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm going to go back to that for a minute. Ezekiel, the 16th chapter. Ezekiel, the 16th chapter. We read it this morning, but it'll do to read again. Verse 49, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. What is it, Lord? Pride. You know what he says in John, I believe it's the third chapter, about the 20th verse, I may be off on that. He says, All that is in the world, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life is not of God. Pride. You know, he he didn't say the specific sin was the problem. I want to tell you the specific sin of homosexuality or adultery or, 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 or whatever else it may be. Beloved, that's not the real problem. The root of the problem is not that. That's the symptom of the problem. The root of the problem is pride. That's what caused, that's what caused Lucifer to fall in the first place. He said, I'll lift myself up and I'll be like God. He told Eve, he said, Eve, you'll be as God's, knowing good and evil. It was pride that he appealed to. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I got pride licked. I got it down pat. I can be as prideful as anybody in this room. I didn't have to learn pride. I was born with pride. <laughs> I got to learn some humility, you see. Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. That was, that was the real problem in Sodom, was pride. We know better than God. Now, I want to to leave you tonight and go into more depth with the solution to the problem. The prodigal son was seated in a place of peril, a place of famine, a place of want, bearing a burden that no child of God should ever have borne, feeding pigs. This little Jewish boy was feeding pigs in a far country. You know what the solution was? I'm going to go back to my father's kingdom. I'm going to go back to the kingdom that I left. My father's a king. My father's a master of this house. I'm going to go back to my father's house. Beloved, that's the answer to the problem in society today is God's children need to come back to the father's house. They need to come back to the church of God because the church of God, beloved, is not just any old institution. It's not just any old organization. In fact, it's not an organization at all. It's an organism. Christ is the head. We are the body. Some of us are the hands. Some of us are the feet. Some of us are the torso. Some of us are the heart and the mind and the eyes and the ears. But we're all the body of Christ. Acts 20 and verse 28. You know what God said about it? Paul's preaching there to the... Uh, to the Ephesian elders as he is about to leave them forever. He's never going to see them again in this life. I say forever, in this life forever. 
He's going to see them one day in heaven, but He's not going to see them anymore in this life. And He says to them in verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves. You preachers need to take heed to yourselves. Beloved, as a preacher, I take this seriously, and I also tremble when I read it. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Why? To feed the church of God. That's right. Now what did He say about the church of God? Which He hath purchased with His own blood. I said this before and I'll say it again. I think it may not have been here, but there are things that I own in my life that I didn't pay very much for. Uh, There are things I bought that didn't cost me very much and when those things don't really bother me too much when they break or when they get lost. But I'll tell you, there's some things I've paid dearly for. (laughs) There's some things I've spent a lot of money on. And... Uh, you think, take your vehicle, for example. You take your vehicle. You, you know, you may, you may have a little pocket knife, and it may be sentimental to you, but it, you know, if it's pocket knives like I buy, they're not very expensive, and I lose one, and I'll just get me another one. But let, me, but let my van break down on the way home, and I'm going to be sick because I spent money on that thing, and I've been pay, I paid on that thing for a while, and I spent a lot of my time and effort into it. Beloved, when you pay dearly for something... You count it more dear to you. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid everything He had. God gave everything He had. He gave His only begotten Son. He gave the one that He'd had fellowship with from the foundation of the world. In fact, before the foundation of the world, Christ was active in the creation. We're told He's the living Word. And God said, you go die for Him. You shed your blood for Him. Beloved, this is not just any old institution. We're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Without blemish. And you know what he says about this institution? In Matthew 18 he says, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. Is that not amazing? The old Greek Greek philosophers believed that their gods lived up on Mount Olympus. And that in order to get to them, they had to go up that mountain to see them or maybe take a boat across the waters to some oracle at at the island of Delphi in order to commune with their gods. But you know in that meeting this afternoon that we had? He was right here with us. Now, I know that because I felt Him, but I also know it because the Word of God says He'll be here. He's here tonight. Right here. This is special to Him. He's with you. He dwells in you. If you if you didn't come, if you weren't here tonight and you were at some bar in Tuscaloosa, he'd still be in you. But he comes in a special way when the children of God gather together in the church of God. It's special to him. So special that he sent the Holy Spirit to guide him. He said, you tarry here in Acts chapter 1. You tarry here and await the, the, the promise from on high. And on the day of Pentecost, guess what? The Holy Spirit came in power and He looked like tongues of cloven fire. And they began to prophesy and preach and they were guided from then on to this very day. <laughs> right now, right here, we're being guided by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. If we're listening to Him and if we're, our hearts are open to, to His leading. That's right. We're talking about building a fellowship hall or a new sanctuary or something here. Let me tell you something. 
when the church does something like that, we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. We'll mess it up. If we think that this is the way it needs yeah. to be or that's the way it needs to be, or we're going to tick it off as a, uh, we're going to figure out on this side, put tick marks, tick marks for what's positive, and on this side, tick marks for what's negative, and count it off like that, we'll mess it up every time. But we've got to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He loved this institution so much, the church, that He sent the Holy Spirit to it. It's not just any old institution. Now let me tell you something. The message of the church is not just any old message. It's not just any old message. I've already told you how important it is uh, that we understand the truth of God's Word. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15 or 14, He tells us that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. That means that it's built on the truth. That's the ground that it's built upon. And the pillar is what it holds up something to be seen. The truth is what needs to be held up by the church. The church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. <laughs> we need to be careful that the message is always truth in the church of God. The message must be truth. The church is the depository of the truth. You know, I'm not afraid to speak the truth right here in this pulpit. I trust you're not afraid to speak the truth out there in the congregation. In this church, in this building, which is not the church, but the place where the church meets, I got no fears. Now, if I were standing on the street corner preaching this message tonight, I confess to you I'd have some fears. Because there are people out there that don't like this message. And there are people out there that, uh, uh, that want to silence this message. And they don't want to hear the truth. I have fear out in the world. Now, don't get me wrong. We overcome that fear and speak the truth anyway. But let me tell you, I'm afraid to speak the truth in the world. I'm not afraid to speak the truth here. Fear, by the way, is not something that you should be ashamed of. It's not the fear that's the problem. It's how you respond to it. And he hadn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of boldness and of a sound mind. Amen. It's not just any old message. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. He's, Paul says, I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I, I love that. That word simplicity in the Greek means simple as, a co as opposed to compound. You know, you've got, I, I don't know, simple sentences and then compound sentences. You remember that in English? You used to have to diagram them and all that. I always hated that. But, you know, simple is a whole lot better than compound. Simple is a whole lot better than complicated. And I'll tell you, the message of the gospel, the word of God, the truth of God's word is simple. A simple gospel. I can't handle a compound gospel. I can't handle a God and me gospel, but I can handle a gospel that says Jesus shall save his people from their sins. I can handle a gospel that says it is finished when he gave up the ghost. I can handle a gospel that tells me that salvation is all of God and it's in his hands. I can rest in that. And it's simple worship too. You remember in Acts, the second chapter? Paul preached that simple message, that simple message of the gospel, and 3,000 souls were added to the church. And over to about, I think it's the 42nd verse, he says this, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now that right there is a simple way to grow a church, isn't it? That's it. As I said already, we're talking about building a new building here of some sort. But you know, we're not building it in order to 
try to make an impact or an impression. We're not building it just to build it, not because we want it. We're building it to promote fellowship, fellowship. If we build it, and we're not sure we will yet, but if we do, it's to promote fellowship. It's so that we can stand steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and have fellowship. And we don't have to have a marketing plan. We don't have to... I heard of a church one time that was some people that were preparing to build a church in the community and they sent out flyers. They sent out um, inquiries, I should say, by mail and said, what kind of church do you want? And they'd have them options down through here, things that they want, things they don't want, and said, mail it back in. And I guess they did this research, the marketing research, and they built a church according to what the people wanted. Beloved, I don't want to build a church according to what the people want. I want to build a church according to what God wants and how He would have it to be. You see, the way the church grows is not through us anyway. Oh, we've got to, we've got to work. We've got to preach. We've got to be loving. And fe- you know, we could, I could run all of you off tonight. <laughs> I'll tell you, there's, there was a time in my life I thought, well, if the Lord wants them here, He'll get them here. And if he, you know, the corollary to that is if He gets them here, I can't run them off. Let me tell you something. I could run every one of you off tonight. I could make every one of you mad enough to get up and walk out and never come back. There's things we can do to harm that. But beloved, in, in general and in the way the Bible teaches it, it's God that grows the church. He sends His sheep our way and we're to preach and to pray and to do it in the right way and the church will grow in that way. Which leads me to the last point. It's not just any old way. You know, I'm, I'm grieved at heart about what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm grieved in the depths of my soul that same-sex marriage is going to be legal tomorrow in Alabama and that there are going to be people that are reading about them online this afternoon that are going to partake in those ceremonies and some, some preachers that are going to endorse them and some judges that are going to do it. But I have no right to go out and preach a message of hate and be angry. Now, I get angry. I know we all do. But you know what the Bible says about how we're to do this? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Listen to what he says. He says, Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. When Jesus went back home, he gave us gifts. And then I will skip down this parenthetical down to verse 11. Here's the gifts. He gave some apostles. We don't have apostles anymore, but he gave some prophets. We still have prophets, not that foretell, but that foretell, that preach. Some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. These are gifts that he's given to us. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That kind of sounds like the church, doesn't it? That kind of sounds like what we're doing here, what we hope to be doing every time we come here, coming into the unity of the faith and greater knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect or mature man. And the purpose is, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Beloved, I told you earlier about the person that I had talked to who said he was a child of God, I believe, goes to church and said, you know, I just don't care about that gay marriage thing. I just don't care about that. Let them do their thing. I'll do my thing. It doesn't bother me. Beloved, we don't need to be tossed to and fro by that kind of teaching, by the teachings of the world. We need to, uh, we need to not be uh, deceived by men who lie in wait, by sleight of men and cunning craftiness who lie in wait to deceive. 
That's the methodology. It's simple. We speak the truth. But listen to this. This is the key right here. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. May grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. All that's just saying. When you preach the truth, when you speak it to your friends, when you speak it out of the world, you better do it in love. I want to tell you, beloved, my heart breaks for those children of God who are caught up in that kind of lifestyle. My heart breaks. I get angry, yes. I get frustrated, yes. But we need to dig deeper than that. We need to get down below the surface and get to the heart and the root of the matter. If you had a family member who was caught up in that deceptive lifestyle, someone telling them that you need to just be yourself and do whatever feels good and you can't help who you fall in love with and it's okay to marry someone of the same sex, wouldn't your heart just break? Wouldn't your heart just... Wouldn't you just weep? If you walk by the prodigal son today and you saw him sitting down in the mud, in the filth, in the pig pen with the hogs, I guess we could go over and yell at him and scream at him. And there's a place for us to stand up and speak the truth. Oh, but wouldn't your heart break? Wouldn't you just want to go to him and say, man, there's a better way. There's a better way than what you're seeking and what you're living in. There's something better for you. As a child of God, the Lord intends for you to experience more blessings than these cursings that you're enduring. Mm-hmm. And it works, beloved. It works. It worked for Peter at Pentecost, speaking the truth in love. 3,000 souls were added to the church. It worked for Philip in Samaria. Hundreds came be baptized in the church. It worked for Philip with one down in a desert, a eunuch who was didn't know what he was reading. It worked for Paul at Antioch and Mars Hill. Oh, and it worked for that prodigal son. I don't know if someone reminded him or if he just, it says he just came to himself. But you know what it was that brought him back? It was the truth. When he left the father's house, he had it all confused. I think it's better down there in the far country. I want my inheritance. There's too many rules here. My daddy's too old fogey. I, I think it's time for me to find my own way and follow my heart. <laughs> when he got down in the far country in the pig pen with the hogs, it was the truth that delivered him. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Amen. I remember what I had in my father's house. I remember the joy. I remember all of the times there that I had with my brother. I remember the, 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 the food. I remember the servants that had more then than I have now. And he saw some truth about himself too, didn't he? He said, you know what? I don't deserve any of that anymore. But I'm going to go back. I will arise and go to my father's house and I'll say to my father, just let me be a servant. Just let me be a servant. I don't deserve to be called a son anymore. I'm going to tell you something, beloved. When a child of God has that kind of experience, there's no limit to the blessings 
and the way, the way the Lord will turn around his life. Someone said to me one time years and years ago, I don't believe that I could ever agree that a former homosexual could be a member of my church. I told him, I didn't tell him, but I should have told him then and I would today, you don't understand the Bible like I do. You don't understand what the Bible says about that. Oh, you can't have people that are practical. We're all sinners, but someone who's openly in some kind of sin that's flagrant out there, you've got to deal with that. Let me tell you something. If a prodigal son can come home soaking one of them, because guess what? Weren't you and I prodigal sons? Weren't we all in that position? Praise God. It works. The church of God works today. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.